0: Christian Parenting. As we continue our Tech and Family series, today we're going to talk about raising kids in a screen-saturated world with my special guest, Eliza Huey.
1: Screen is not our enemy, and neither is your child. Your child is not the enemy as well, we have an enemy, we have a spiritual enemy who is after our souls. And so if we can keep that in mind if we don't, we don't hate the devices then, and we don't find that like we feel ourselves like kind of against our children or, or we're pitted against one another, our enemy is the enemy of our souls. And so pray for wisdom and protection as we raise up these children.
0: Hey, my name is Jay Holland, and this is Let's Parent on Purpose. It's a podcast to help you thrive and not just survive your parenting years. Each week, I'll bring you an insight or an interview that will help strengthen your marriage, your family, or your personal walk with Jesus. And if you find it helpful, I encourage you to subscribe, share it with your friends, and you're welcome to go to letsparentonpurpose.com to find all kinds of past articles, issues, and resources to help your family. was thinking about our tech and family series that we're in, I, I realized it's 2020 and in 2005, so 15 years ago, I think I got my very first personal cell phone. It was one of those awesome uh, Motorola razor flip phones. Um, before that, I did not have a personal laptop. I did not have a, even like a PC in my house. I had one at work. Um, didn't have any other kind of phone except the ones that stuck on the wall. Now, just 15 years later, and I, I think a quick count of screen devices that we possess is something like 6,000. I, I don't know. It's its ridiculous. But uh, we are all wrestling through what to do with our children with so many screens. Uh, those of you guys who've been listening to Less Parent on Purpose for some time are going to remember and enjoy my guest, Eliza Huey. She was on originally for a book that she wrote called Raising Teens in a Hypersexualized World. Uh, And when I found that book, I also found a little book that she had called Raising Kids in a Screen-Saturated World. And so I asked her to come back on and talk through that with me. Um, Eliza is the Director of Counseling at McLean Bible Church in Virginia. Those of you guys that are familiar with David Platt, that's the church that he's at. She's also the Dean of Biblical Counseling at Metro Baltimore Seminary. She's a licensed counselor, an awesome mom, and uh, the author of a couple books, as well as one that's coming out in 2021 that she'll tell you about towards the end of our podcast. Um, so those of you that have been around for a while, you know you're in for a treat. Uh, Eliza not only gives some really practical tips on how to handle screens in your home. But I love towards the end of our conversation that uh, we talk about the real enemy in our house and it's not screens. And for those of you that are new, just so glad that you're here. Glad that you're joining. I'm not sure how you found it, but you found it. And uh, I know that today's going to be a blessing for you. Um, I've got some great gifts that I want to give you for free, uh, including a marriage snapshot tool that I've put together. And if you would like that, you can text the word THINGS T-H-I-N-G-S to 66866, that's things to 66866, Um, or you can go to purpose.com and you'll see a little pop-up that will help you to get that tool as well as a bunch of other wonderful things that I have got for you. With that, just sit back or jog along and enjoy this conversation with Eliza Huey. Eliza, it is awesome to have you back on Let's Parent on Purpose. I think it was early pandemic the last time you were on.
1: I think you're right. Um, has your family survived? We're surviving. We're we're still making it through. <laughs>
0: That's good. I'm in a county in in South Florida that's just kind of in denial that there's a pandemic altogether. So um, (laughs) which we've somehow survived. It's been great. Hey, the very first time I had you on, uh, it was because a friend of mine handed me uh, a book that you had written. And I'm probably going to get it. It's it's Raising Teens in a Sex-Saturated World. Is that right? Or am I? That one is Raising
1: Teens in a Hyper-Sexualized World. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, raising teens in a hypersexualized world. Because every time I would go to like look it up for a link on Amazon, my covenant eyes would block my screen um, <laughs> from it. So, so you. But I, I found that you had another book that I picked up as well, and I really loved. And and we're in the middle of the tech and family series uh, on less parental purpose right now, and so raising teens in a screen saturated world just feels like it comes in an absolute perfect time. Can you tell me a little bit about what motivated you to write this book?
1: Yeah, sure. And you're right. It actually the timing is is I think more so than ever and we'll talk about that a little bit why even more we're feeling the the need for for resources like this, but it really came about as as a um continuation of a Raising Kids series that my publisher, 10 of those, really wanted to make these books that were, like we talked about before, that were very readable because they're not like super big. They're really just like on target, on a topic. This is the the, the topic that we really want to be uh, focusing on for parents. That That subject of screens is just, it continues to be something that parents just feel like they need help with most parents are not digital natives. They're starting to have some as these kids get older and we um, start to see some of like the millennials and the Gen Z start to move towards marriage and, and having children, but most parents are, are not digital natives. And so this is a new area for them to navigate. Like they didn't grow up with screens everywhere. And so just so needed for parents.
0: Yeah. Would you take a minute and uh, explain the difference between a digital immigrant and a digital native?
1: Sure. So digital immigrants are people who are basically like, that is something that they came into mostly as an adult, digital natives, like they were born into it. So they, they don't really have a memory without screens. Like there is meaning like their childhood. They don't remember the time when it was like introduced. It's just always been a part of their everyday life, whether or not they had their own screen or not. It's just been a part of their world That they lived in and they navigate like their, their learning is, is geared towards that. And, um, their entertainment is geared towards that where we had a very different as immigrants. Mm -hmm. We, we learn to adapt to a life saturated with screens.
0: Right. Now I was born in the mid seventies and we had TV screens, mm-hmm. um, of Atari first video game system, um, watching my siblings cuss out the TV screen when, you know, Donkey Kong trying to get it up there. So yeah. And so like, I think I came of age really in the Nintendo, the original Nintendo, yep. uh, series. So we had TV screens and I even remember like having a computer, but it was like an Apple IIe but they just weren't fun. Like it was, it was right. cool to have a computer, but like they only made educational games. Right, and They weren't fun. Right. Um, and so it was really for me college before, like then I had a word processor in, mm-hmm. by the time I was in high school, I had a word processor, but it was really college before I even had my own personal computer. Um, and then I think of, of, you know, my, my daughter's 18. So I didn't even have a cell phone when she was born. Uh, mm-hmm. And then by the time, like I can remember my son, who's now 12, he was, he was two years old and the busiest boy you can imagine. Like he, he was a chunk and he never sat still. And then uh, all of a sudden uh, I downloaded this game, Angry Birds on <laughs> my phone. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, you know, our, our little two-year-old would sit there and he figured out how to play Angry Birds. And we were all convinced at the time that we had a genius on our hands because, look, my two-year-old uh, knows how to play Angry Birds. You know, yeah. the sky's the limit for him technologically. And and now what I realize is, no, the people who created the iPhone and created these games are absolute geniuses because they can figure out how to make a two-year-old attach to a, a screen. And, right. uh, you know, like, that's, that's pretty brilliant in there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, screens for us were like TVs and, you know, those green computers. Yeah, um, yeah. big, and, and big. For, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and for our kids, there's no limit to it. Right. Uh, do you have any idea, like, how many different screens or devices the families or kids have at this point? Oh,
1: my goodness. I really don't. You know, I mean, it's it's really com- common for kids to have more than one. Most of the time, a kid mm-hmm. will have a phone and some kind of tablet. But then in addition to that, you have, you know, your laptop. That's, I mean, it's pretty regular for a kid to have more than one of those. And, and much of like what you said, like there was, there's just ingenious technology behind this, not just in what it can do and how beneficial it can be and how helpful it can be. But even, you know, I'm sure many people even listening to this podcast have probably watched The Social Dilemma came out yeah. on Netflix and, you know, th- there's a real sense where part of it is genius and part of it was just not even fully understanding the capability that this would have, but then beginning to see it and capitalizing on that of just your phones, your child's phone is designed to have them keep coming back. Like it's Mm. designed to keep them there and to keep them coming back. And so it's just a very different, different than the TV was in your, you know, in your day growing up that really wasn't designed in that same way. No, Um, but yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's important for parents to realize that these are not just like ubiquitous, but they have a specific creation to them that is really, really to get your kids hooked, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're seeing.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm finding that it's very difficult for a child to even just stay on one screen sometimes. Yeah. Like if, if the TV is on, on regular shows of some kind, um, that's not enough. Like mm-hmm. there needs to be an iPad or a phone or right. something like that. So unless yeah. they're actively immersed in the middle of the video game, and even with video games, they'll then FaceTime or screen time their friend they're as playing. they're on a video game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just, if you were to tell me this even 10 years ago, I'd be like, I, I think you're making it up. I think you're exaggerating yeah. uh, what's happening. So what is this doing? Is it what what kind of, is in counseling and in, in your sphere and world What are you seeing happen because of this?
1: Well, I think one of the biggest things is, and it's just interesting, the word that I use for it is because screens are supposed to, like the apps on screens, many of them are meant to kind of connect us, especially when you think of social media and FaceTime, like they're meant to connect us, but I think one of the biggest things that I, I see in families, and families definitely feel this, is disconnection. Like yeah. parents feel very disconnected from their kids, and that's probably one of the most difficult things because you you want so much, like, and even in giving your child a, a phone, let's say you're giving your kid a new phone, and that's their first iPhone. Like, part of that is like you want to this this is a fun connection, you know, that you want it to be something that blesses your children and your family and it it can end up being something that you really feel i've had parents question like should i have even given that to them and you know so disconnection for sure there's other things that are are growing especially during covid that we're definitely concerned about with regards to just not just disconnection and social health but mental and emotional health um Mm -hmm. And physical health as well. so
0: yeah, I we were talking before we started recording., uh, you wrote this a couple years ago. It was published a couple of years ago. yeah, and and like, could you have imagined two years ago that you would say we live in a radically different world than when I published this book? Yeah. I mean, 800 days ago.
1: Right. Exactly. Well, and I will say writing a book on screens or technology, you already know that as soon as it goes to print, it's slightly outdated. Like there's just the reality of that. Not to say like the principles behind it are not, but if you reference any kind of platform, there's a good chance it's not even the main platform anymore when you write and stuff. But I think just being thrust into this um, COVID environment, we're seeing unthought of, Realities, as far as you know, just the, the fact that many kids are are basically doing their schooling on a screen, pretty much um, in a lot of places. Kids are are that's their only connection, really, with their youth group. With I mean, not at, I, where we are in the DC metro area. Like most churches are not gathering right now because of the regulations and so forth. So their youth groups online, their their schooling is online, their social activities online, and so it's, it's just really like their world is just surrounded by it. And there's not a lot of breaks, which is, which is hard. And I think, honestly, Jay, you know, one of the things I would say to that, if I can just jump into that subject is, is to really parents need to realize, hopefully this is a season and it's not going to always be like this. Um, So in some ways there's going to be more screen time in your kid's life right now. That's just the reality because of COVID. But on on the other hand, what we don't want to do is just sort of embrace it as, well, there's nothing I can do about it. And there's no ways that we can try to remain in some healthy parameters or um, in, in a healthy environment, even when the screen time is going way up because of just the reality of COVID. And so I think it is important too.
0: Yeah, well, I can tell you one thing that all of those that are meeting their youth group online, that ain't a habit that's going (laughs) to continue for one second longer than it has to. We did that for several months and then uh, we're blessed with a very large property and uh, a county that was a little more lax on the regulations. Actually, a lot more lax than DC on the regulations. (laughs) And so it was hard. It was very our kids really gave it their best effort. We had yeah. fun, good times with it, but I can tell you as a, as a youth pastor, I felt miserable, uh, doing it because it's just extremely hard to make. There's something about actually having eyeballs in front of you instead of yeah. little screen faces. It, it's yeah. a world of difference. So, um, yeah, I think that's really important and, and encouraging to say of like, Hey, some of this is just going to swing back because, you know, it's kind of like winter, right? You know, I grew up I grew up in West Virginia in the winter and like you just stay in a lot more because it's 34 degrees and, and drizzly and miserable outside. Right. But when it's spring and you can go back out, you go back out because
1: yeah, yeah. you can. In the meantime, though, I would I would encourage parents though to be thinking like you do need to be aware of when is too much. And one thing I will say is that not all screen time is created equal. And so, you know, it's, it's not... There is a quality versus quantity. Like if your child has to be in in online and their classes have to be over Zoom or whatever platform they're using, that's different screen time. So we need to like separate that and not not say to them, You've been on the, you've been on your p- computer for the last four and a half hours. Well, they have to be. And there is the teachers are really trying hard. They are really trying hard to Come up with ways to get kids to be, to be uh, moving away from those screens, even during that teaching time, in whatever ways they can. There's, they're they're getting very creative in that, but know that it's not all created equal. And so, if you're if you're feeling like your kids in front of their screen all the time, try to be you know use have good categories like is this a necessary time or is this not? And even the social time because they can't, especially if you're in an area where the regulations are tighter, like you can't necessarily socialize really well. And they still do need to connect with friends and so forth. But you do want to watch for symptoms that could be um, there's just too much. And those are times where I would even encourage parents to talk to the teachers if you're seeing your kid is having headaches or, I mean, obviously kids are wearing the blue blocking glasses a lot more and so forth. But um, if they're really tired, if there's eye strain going on, if you're, if you're seeing diff- like it disrupting their sleep, those are types of things that you probably need to say, okay, even though there, there's necessary time, we might need to uh, talk to our teachers if it's just too much. Because most kids, well, and most kids weren't used to having that much time in front of a screen. I mean, I don't know how you felt. But I really felt it for like the first two months, just that that like zoom fatigue and too much on the screen and stuff and and we adjust but but so just be sensitive to you know what you're seeing in your kids and and know that not all the not all screen time is created equal, so there are gonna be some times where they're just gonna have to be in front of the screen longer, you know.
0: Very helpful. Do you care if we jump into your tips? Uh, the, so your book, Raising, Raising Kids in a Screen-Saturated World, I'd say kind of the meat of it is you have a, a few tips that are, are, are helpful guidelines for moms and dads to walk through. So we can talk about them, and then as, as you feel the wisdom, if, if anything needs to be updated... Um, For our current pandemic life, uh, you can do that. But so, tip one: model digital discipline and courtesy. Um, What is that all about?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and and this isn't necessarily going to be just a book review. I I won't go into every detail, so people can read the book and get more information on it. But the bottom line, and this is just, I'll just sum this up, and and it'll probably be what most parents probably need to hear is. Model it. Like, are we actually showing our children what it looks like to to be disciplined with our screen use? Because if we're feeling like our kids are just constantly on the phone and they have trouble getting eye contact with us, mm-hmm. then something needs to change. Like we need to be able to, I would really encourage parents when your kids are in the room, try your best not to be on your screen. Now, that's going to be difficult because we're working online, and screens are you know part of our daily life now, too. But if if it's just a regular part of your day and your kids are in the room, do your best to be available for face-to-face interaction um, and just model that. Model also like limits, you know, um, let them see from you that you actually put your phone away and it would be really good for them to see like your phone isn't visible 24-7. So I just encourage parents in the next 24 hours, just notice like where do you put your phone, is it always beside you uh, when you're eating or when you're cooking or when you're wh- whatever you're doing throughout your day? like is it beside you? or one good thing that parents can do is just stick it in your pocket. If you've got to have it on you, like stick it in your pocket so it's not visual, you know, all the time. and that's just good modeling so that there's not just this sense of like, well, mom doesn't mom and dad doesn't want, don't want me to have my screen all the time, but they have it. You
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I recently in the last few months just deleted Facebook and, and Instagram and any social media from my phone. Um it's like, so if I want to get on it, because I have a lot of work related reasons that I need to jump onto Facebook and jump off, it's like, well, I can check it on my computer, on my laptop. And if I really need it on my phone, I have to be on Wi Fi. I have to go through the time of downloading it, checking it, and then delete it. And and That's it fact, has right? been so helpful because now I can't force of it, habit go to it every half second.
1: That's modeling it. That's what I'm talking about. Modeling that digital discipline is what it is, you know. And and now more and more phones are coming out with like um digital well-being parameters that you can create on your phone where those apps don't even show up certain times of the day or whatever if you that's if really you cool. still have them. But so yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about there is just modeling it for your kids.
0: I'd like to take a minute to tell you about a ministry that has changed my life. Hope Givers is a mission that rescues orphaned and at-risk children in India. They gather the children in hope homes across the nation and feed, clothe, and educate them in the name of Jesus. Many of these children grow up to be pastors or missionaries to the most unreached cities and villages of India and South Asia. Others become doctors, teachers, teachers or just moms and dads with stable jobs raising families, having escaped generations of abject poverty. Not only have I supported Hope Givers over the years, I've also visited Hope Homes, schools, and churches in India several times. I've even spent Christmas at a Hope Home in India with my family. Hope Givers is the real deal. If you're looking for a way to give to Jesus this holiday season, I wanna encourage your family to purchase a Hope Chest as a Christmas gift for an orphan. You'll provide clothing, toiletries, a blanket, a sweater, school supplies, a toy, and a special Christmas meal for a child that Jesus loves and died for. Find out more at www.hopegivers.org. You have a a section on when to give a device to your child. And, And I think like even just looking at the title of that, you could be talking about time of day. You could be talking about their age, <laughs> and then like, what do you mean by device? Do you mean right. a Nintendo Switch? Do you mean a phone? Man, and and like, I have questions about all of these things personally. Um, I've got my eighteen-year-old right. who's barely out of the house. So whatever we succeeded or failed with her, we did, and uh, she's on her like she's left to her own devices about this um, right now. Um, but, you know, I've got a I've got a 12-year-old boy and a 10-year-old boy yeah. and a 9-year-old girl. The 9-year-old will never get a device, um, I think. Ever. Be, ever. Um, <laughs> but the 12 and 10, like, they want them. We're like, nope. You know, but they have video game systems and, you know, they're doing the whining of, you know, my friends have this or that, which has never motivated me personally for anything ever. Mm-hmm. But I do want some outside wisdom on, like, what are the appropriate times and what kind of devices are appropriate to introduce along the way.
1: Yeah. And I I talk a little bit more about this in the book than I'm going to give, but because I want to actually take you in a different direction slightly. It's related to this because of the way I have found parents are interacting with that question. So the question being like, when do I do this? Like, what's the right time? And even yeah, what kind of a device, what I would say, because it's probably most relevant is when talking about Wi-Fi enabled devices. So whether that's an iPhone, a Android, a, a iPad, what it, whatever it is that might have Wi-Fi on it. So you could get on the internet with, it's more so about how you do it. And in the how there's, there's three things that I talk about the most with parents that when you're thinking about how it's not just like, Under the Christmas tree, wrapped up in a pretty package, and it's like surprise—you got like that's that's what we want to be able to do. But and I'm not saying you can't do that, and it's wrong if you do. I'm not I'm not trying to make parents feel bad in that sense, but it shouldn't just be that. It's really about the how, and that how has to kind of revolve around three conversations, which is the conditions around this. And so, if you're giving your child a, a Wi-Fi enabled device, it comes with conditions. And that should just not even be a question. So there should be c- conditions around like curfew, like as far as like when are appropriate times to use this and when are we're not appropriate times to use it? And that's going to depend on the child mm-hmm. um, and how old they are and even how responsible they are. Conditions on where it's used. So so I would really encourage parents listening like, do you have screen-free zones in your world? Like, do, are there places that are still sacred enough that the screen is not omnipresent? You know, and so um, uh, other conditions would be uh, specifically with a Wi-Fi-enabled device would be social media conditions. Like, if you're going to let your kid have that, first of all, choose one and choose it together. Your child does not need every single social media platform. Um, and so, one of the things that I think parents really regret is not putting. I've seen that it's not putting enough parameters around that. So that's more of the how and on, on conditions um, where the, the screen can be used. I would I've, I say this all the time. Like your your kids don't need a Wi-Fi enabled device in the bathroom. It's just not a, a wise thing to right. have access to the internet or a camera where they sometimes disrobe and you know get in the shower or whatever. Like that's just not a healthy thing to to do. um, But also around the like, when to give them to them or the the questions you want to ask is talk to them about confidentiality. So conditions and confidentiality, like privacy is not a thing case we didn't realize that like privacy is, I think it was 20 years ago. So 20 years ago, NBC put out an article that was titled privacy is dead. That was twenty years ago. Twenty
0: years oh, ago, wow.
1: Yeah, so if that was the case twenty years ago, then it's certainly not a thing now. And so helping them see um, that 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 is just not a thing that there is there are certain agencies designed and social the social media or, yeah the social dilemma kind of helped us see that, but there are yeah. agencies designed to capture that information and store it and use it. And so um, even if it seems private, it's not, there really is no such thing as privacy. So talking to them about confidentiality, but talking to them regarding like what they keep from you, like what, what is okay and what is not okay. And really, especially if they're still in your house as um, a child. So I'm looking at children who are, you know, whether they're, they might be over 18, but um, they're still under your care and provision and so forth. Like there needs to be an openness with that phone um, or that device. And so who holds the passwords and what accounts are allowed to be created and so forth. So, um, and we don't want to create an environment of snooping on our kids. That's just not a healthy, mm-hmm. no, we we really want to lead and guide them versus control and snoop. So confidentiality. And the last one I, Try to help parents think through when they're giving their child a device, like when do I do this? Like, have the conversation about cost. And that can be tricky if you're giving it as a gift. It can feel like, oh man, I just gave them a gift and now I'm making them pay. Well, not necessarily monetarily, not necessarily in in that sense. Like, cost can be a lot of things. Probably one of the ways that I encourage parents the most to help their child have buy into the cost of this device is in data limits. Like this is, now you're going to see my opinion here, Jay, but I don't think children need unlimited data. Helping them to budget (laughs) their time online is wise for them to learn. Like it helps them discern, do I want to spend a half an hour on this or do I want to spend a half an hour FaceTiming my friend or whatever? You know, like it helps them decide. And if you give them unlimited data, it feels like the world should be endless to them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so- um even if the cost is just simply like we're going to limit you in that sense or maybe we're going to we we bought you the phone but you're going to you're going to contribute to the monthly cost because it helps them see this as a privilege and not an entitlement and i think that's really important
0: that that's really good what you just said i i was i wrote down i was like we need to do a whole Podcast on lead and guide versus control and snoop because that's a a real challenge. Because um, you think as, there's so much panic that happens as a parent of because you know how quickly it can it can go bad w- with Wi-Fi enabled devices. Like if if you have a device that's connected to Wi-Fi, you know you can have filters on it, but you you have to realize you are you are competing against two things. One is like all of the predatory people in the world that have um, monetary or sleazy reasons mm-hmm. to access your child, and you're competing against the hive mind of all of your children's friends mm-hmm. and all of their friends. Um, so there is no way that you as a parent, are going to be the technological expert um, yeah. where you're going to stay ahead of your kids. you you have a job to do. like you have work yeah. and you have, chores and stuff like this and and kids like you know they can sit at lunch and learn something that they don't that's a challenging one but I love it because really what it gets to is the heart yeah. um, you can set up all kinds of rules but but it's a heart issue mm-hmm. Um, and one of those heart issues has to be like if I ever catch you this or that well you've already kind of set up the parameter
1: you have right
0: it, it, you know if it's like hey, if I catch you doing this, then we're not going to do this. Like, that's a good if-then. But, like, if I ever catch you doing this, then I'm going to explode. I'm going to kill you. Like, you're using all this hyperbolic language. Then you've basically made the decision for your child that they are not ever going to come to you and right. reveal the stuff that they've been involved in because they're they're more afraid of your reaction than they are the, the guilt of it. So that's a... Yeah. It's a heart issue and it it's heart H E R T, but it is a hard H A R D well issue and as well. As
1: you talk about that, it's it's both of our hearts. It's our children's hearts and it's our own hearts. Because for us, you know, that is that is really common and parents can relate to that feeling of like, don't you ever or if you ever and that's our own hearts. Like what's going on in our hearts there is a lot of fear, understandably why, like this is, there's a lot of reasons to be fearful, but there are better ways to engage that conversation and walk with your child in that instead of creating a, a dynamic where they don't dare tell you. And so they try mm-hmm. to keep things secret. And really it's just part of the way of, of like how you explain it to them and in, in simply you know, addressing it as, hey, you know what, here's some things that happen online. Like you be the one to and get like this is what happens online. And they'll be like, I know mom or I know dad or whatever. But but just, you know what? Okay, good. But I want to just share a little bit more with you because when you get that text message from your friend of an explicit photo or a you know a nude or whatever it is, this is what I want you to be able to do. That 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 framing the question in a way of when you Mm -hmm. get that. Rather than if you ever, or don't you dare, you know, like kind of this whole idea of like, there's going to be times that things happen with these devices that aren't going to be something that you may be expected. Or maybe you find yourself getting into something that you are realizing this is not good. I want you, you're, I'm the place, your parent. Your mom, your dad, I'm the place I want you to come and talk. And we're going to talk through this. And it may mean that we learn to steward it differently because that's really what you're trying to teach them in giving them a device is how do I steward this in a way that aligns with everything else in our home, which is to honor and glorify God. And so there is a way, Jay, for us to do that with our kids, with our devices. Like, I don't think we should look at the screens as evil. Everything has to go. I mean, that that's actually not, I don't think, a reality we how can we use them in a way that actually promotes good, promotes a connection in a positive way, promotes a stewardship where I I don't I don't have this sense of entitlement, like I deserve this, but like I'm I'm a part of the process of like earning the or carrying the weight of responsibility, whether that's how I use my time, how I use my data, how I use my money towards this. And so we just want to keep it as another another thing we're parenting our children in. Uh, Not something that we should just say, it'd be better if we just didn't have them. Because that's just not a reality. It really isn't.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you think it would be better if we don't have them. No. We have them. They're not going away. It's kind of like, it'd be better if we didn't have cars, because then we would live next to our grandparents. But we do, (laughs) and they're not going away. Yeah. Um, And and that's really good. I think even when you said the when this happens... Yeah. Um, a couple podcasts from now, I'm uh, I have a podcast coming up with Shane O'Neill from Proven Men Ministries. And um I, I think he said that th- research says that 97% of children are going to be exposed to pornography. So oh, yeah, you basically you can guarantee that yep. your children are going to be exposed to it. Yep. Even if you don't give them devices. I'm a, I'm a youth pastor. The number of children that I have talked to who they got exposed because somebody at school yep flashed a pornographic video in front of their faces like it's going to happen um and so learning to coach and prep them through that is great and and so that kind of makes me i I just really want to hit one more of, of the tips because by the way plug this book is short and it's really good uh raising teens in a screen saturated world you want to see this stuff in print it won't take you one hour to read so you and your spouse can both read it in the course of two days and it'll help you come up with a plan. But that I think, you know, the highlight of, of know your enemy. Yeah. Um, you talk yeah. about that and, and your enemy is not the screen.
1: Exactly. Yeah. What's your enemy? Yeah. And that's where I was kind of even going with what I had just shared a second ago is that like, I think when we were talking, like sh- we can't throw them out, but they aren't our enemy. The screen is not our enemy and neither is your child. Your child is not not our enemy, not the enemy as well. We have an enemy, we have a spiritual enemy who is after our souls. And so if we can keep that in mind, that we don't, we don't hate the devices then, and we don't, we don't find that, like we feel ourselves like kind of against our children or or we're pitted against one another, our enemy is the enemy of our souls. And so that would drive us to pray, no matter what it is we're talking about, you know, pray for wisdom and protection as we raise up these children. Um, because I actually think there's a lot of good that screens bring, and especially as I've, I've gotten to the age where my children, most of them don't live at home, and it's a great way to connect with them. I mean, I, and even social media, like I'm able to see my kids' lives through social media and I enjoy it. It's It's a good thing as they have learned to steward that well. Um, so yeah, we don't want it to become the screens are the enemy, and we definitely, definitely do not want it to become that our children are the enemy and um or that our children think we're the enemy. So know that this is just another area where we have to submit ourselves to the Lord and pray for protection and wisdom as we navigate this.
0: We we're walking through um some conflict in our house. We have four kids. So basically every week of the yeah, year we're walking through conflict, conflict <laughs> with at least one kid. It's like conflict roulette. Which one this week? And some of it gets really hurtful. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can um you can just how could they do this to me is what it can feel like. And uh, in, in youth at church on Sunday mornings, we, be, we do a one chapter read through uh, on Sunday mornings with our teens. And this this past Sunday was Ephesians 6. And and it always strikes me that the chapter that has the most extensive section on family relations in the bible the children obey your parents honor your yep. fathers and mothers sure does. um uh, you know f- fathers don't exasperate your children um and even before that the husbands love your wives wives love your husband that that whole section comes immediately before the largest section on spiritual warfare in mm-hmm. the entire bible and i mm-hmm. don't think it's a coincidence i think it is holy spirit divinely put together that uh the spiritual warfare section is right there beside the family section because there's no greater place of conflict than um potential conflict than your family and it is so easy to start thinking that one of them is the enemy and instead we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but we have an enemy that set out to destroy us and you just go back to Genesis three and Genesis four the family was the primary target of the enemy from the beginning. And so, um, so really true. good encouragement. I thank you for that. It's it's, yeah. it's very, very helpful. I want to ask you, uh, but before we say goodbye, uh, you got anything you're working on that you want to let anybody know about? I uh, contacted you about this book, but uh, uh, it seems like you're a busy bee that always has something else exciting that,
1: that you can share I do have uh, something I'm really excited about coming out next year. There's a, another book that I'm actually first time co-authoring with author uh, Esther Smith. She's also a biblical counselor, and we are writing a book called The Whole Life. It's going to be put out by New Growth Press, and it's 52 weeks of biblical self-care. So I don't know a single parent out there who doesn't need some self-care, and we we have designed it for you to spend a whole year really attending to your spiritual, your emotional, your physical, and your relational health. So those four components, and you can look for that out summer of uh, 2021.
0: Fantastic. If the apocalypse doesn't happen before 2021, then (laughs) you'll have a tool for self-care for the next year. Um, Hey, thank you so much for coming. Always a delight to have you on. And uh, uh, let's pray for for those who are listening as we close. Lord, we love you. And uh, this has been an encouragement to me. It helps sharpen me to think how we're handling screens in our household and especially remembering the screens aren't the enemy. Mm-hmm. My family is definitely not the enemy, mm-hmm. um, but there isn't an, an enemy out to destroy us. And so we cling to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I pray that we would believe the gospel, even in the way that we handle screens in our household and that we would demonstrate the gospel to our children. I just think of Romans eight one, there is no condemnation for mm-hmm. those who are in Christ Jesus. And I pray that um, that we would remember that Um, We would remember that in our own lives. And then we would demonstrate that to our children when they mess up, not if they mess up, but when Mm -hmm. they mess up. And so Mm -hmm. um, we need to do that. We trust that you will be there as we rely on you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you're still listening all the way to the credits, then I hope that that means that this was a particular blessing to you to hear this podcast. If so, I want to encourage you to share it with somebody else that you think might be helped by it. You're welcome to go to letsparentonpurpose.com to find out more information about show notes, about past issues, all kinds of things to help your family. And I do want to say that Let's Parent On Purpose is a user-supported podcast, and if you would like to be a part of that, you can go to letsparentonpurpose.com, learn how to be a supporter through Patreon or through a one-time gift. Thank you so much for listening. Again, share this with somebody that you know needs to hear it. Remember that parenting is a marathon, not a sprint. And we'll talk to you soon.